Um, we're in a series called uh, Pearls. We've been in the series. This is the last weekend that we're in Pearls. And we've been looking at the book of Proverbs. Um, Proverbs has 31 chapters. It's attributed to the guy named Solomon, who is well known for wisdom that he got from God. And we've been looking at these nuggets, these pearls throughout the book, and it's been so good. Uh, it's been so good. You can look on, on YouTube for the older messages. I think uh, Pastor Nick preached a great message last week about your words. I preached about lust before that and uh, all kinds of stuff. So it's really, you know, I mean, I love the Bible. It's so stinking honest. I love that about the Word of God. I'm in love with the Word of God. But uh, pearls is, uh, we're, we're talking about a, a, another subject that Solomon brings up. And uh, before we jump into this subject, I want to just ask you, have you ever seen ads like this pop up on your computer or something like that on social media? And, on, on, you know what, if you buy this product... You will be stronger and healthier. If you do this workout program and you do it for 30 days, if you do it for 90 days and you do this, then you'll have this result. Or if, if you, if you want to make money fast, here's what you need to do. Here's a real estate venture thing that you need to do. Here's a side hustle that you can do. Here's a way you can make money on social media and you can do that. And all of them saying, if you do that, then you can make thousands, tens of thousands, a millionaire, whatever. If you do that, we're bombarded with ads all the time. Let me ask you a question. Do you want to live a life that's blessed by God. Do you want to live a life that you can't afford on your own? Do you want to live a life of joy and peace and happiness? Do you want to experience the best life possible while you're here on this earth? Do you want to do that? Just shout out yes or no. You shout out yes. All right. So I think most of us I mean, who's going to say, no, I don't want to live the best life? <laughs> I think most of us want to live that kind of life. Proverbs chapter 3 is like the Bible ads all over Proverbs chapter 3. It's like God is saying, okay, now if you do this, then this will happen. If you do this, this will happen. So uh, Proverbs chapter 3, here's the Bible ads. The Bible has its own ads. Here it is. Verse 1. My son, remember, remember Solomon is talking to his son. My son, do not forget my teaching, but keep my commands, where? In your heart, all right? For they will bring, what will they bring? They will, they will, they will prolong your life many years and bring you peace and prosperity. That's right. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Then, say then with me, then. You will win favor and a good name in the sight of God and man. Trust, say trust with me, trust. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him. Other versions say acknowledge him. And he will make your paths straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil or turn from evil. This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. Did you see this spiritual connection Solomon makes? And he's saying, if you make these spiritual decisions, if you make these decisions between you and God, there's going to be some consequences in this world that you're in right now. 
good consequences. And he says, if you remember to hold on to God's word, if you hold on to his commandments, if you obey, if you're faithful, if you trust, if you submit to God, check it out. You will live a long life is what it says. You will live a long life. It also says you'll have peace and prosperity. You'll have a good reputation. You'll know God's will. You'll have health. You'll have a healthy body. And it even says you'll have strong bones. Do you believe that? Isn't that crazy? The idea of if I, if I put my trust in God and, and if I submit to God's word and if I live a life of obedience that it actually affects my, my bones. It's hard to believe, isn't it? It's hard to believe. Um, verses 9 and 10 is what we're going to be looking at today. Verses 9 and 10 is talking about honoring God and the, the consequences for honoring God. And he talks about money. He says this, honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then, you know what, guys? Let's read that out loud together. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. In verse 10, then, keep going, your barns will be filled to overflowing. Keep going. And your vats will brim over with new wine. The title of today's message is The Best Part. The Best Part. I think all of us uh, care about money, right? All of us care about money. All of us are concerned with how much we make and making sure we bring in enough and we want to be in the black and not in the red. And uh, money's pretty important. You know, I've said it before. If you want to know what a, what a person uh, values, all you have to do is look to see how they spend their money. And that'll tell you where their heart is. I did a little research about money and facts about this. And I, according to Ramsey Solutions, about a third of Americans have said that they're either struggling or in crisis with their personal finances. Big surprise. No, not, not a big surprise. Especially with inflation. Everything costs so much. A cup of coffee costs like five bucks or something now. It's like, what in the world? It's to be a dollar or something. What happened to that? Um, but everything just costs so much. The number of Americans having difficulty making their monthly rent is, is close to 50% just to make their rent. The total average debt per household is 158000 the average student loan is $58,112. The average household for auto loans, $31,000. And another source says, in the Denver area, the average price of a house in Denver area is around $568,000. This is all expensive, isn't it, guys? It's all expensive stuff. And not to mention, on last Friday, October 20th, the U.S. national debt hit a record high of $33 trillion dollars. It's just, it's like, wow. Uh, some of you might be able to identify with some of these stats. Maybe you're in between jobs. Maybe you're in a tight place. Maybe you're in transition. Maybe you have a lot of debt. Uh, maybe it's credit card debt. Maybe you bought things that you shouldn't have bought, and now you're in a situation, whatever it might be. But did you know Jesus talked about money a lot? Jesus talked about money a lot. In fact, he talked more about money than any other subject, any other subject. He spoke roughly 15% of his preaching was about money. 11 out of 39 parables related to money 
or possessions. In the Gospels, one out of 10 verses, there's 288 verses in the Gospels, that's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, one out of 10 deals with some subject related to money or possessions. Why did Jesus talk about it so much? Here's why, Matthew chapter six. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in or steal. And then verse 21. This is a great verse to memorize, so let's, let's put it up on the screen. Let's read it together. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The words of Jesus. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Jesus is making this connection. And he's saying, you know what, um, all we have to do is look to, to see where your money's going, and that is where your heart is located. Where your treasure is, there's your heart also. For Jesus, it's about your heart. And what are we talking about your heart? It's about your worship. It's about what you worship. So Jesus makes this spiritual connection with this monetary thing, this thing that we use to, to, for transactions and for a lifestyle. He says, okay, that right there reflects your relationship with Jesus. It's a spiritual matter, not a financial matter. And Jesus is always going to the heart of the issue. The Amplified Version says it like this. For where your treasure is, there your heart, your wishes, your desires... That on which your life centers will be also. That's why Jesus talks about money so much. He goes right to the heart, and he wants to be the primary devotion of your heart. He wants to be worshipped by you. He wants you to put him first in your heart. The heart must be right first. It's got to be right first. It's about your, your desire to put God first. Now, in churches, it's kind of a running joke when churches talk about money. Seems like there's always a group of people that are like, I, I, it's, another, it's, a, it's a sermon about money. We're not going to go back to that church. In fact, uh, one of our reviews from way back when, I don't remember when it was, but someone in the review said, the pastor always talks about money. And that's what they said. So they said, well, we're not going to go to that church again. Now, I don't always talk about money. If you come here for a little bit, you know that. But they happen to show up on one weekend, and, and I talked about money, and they said he always talks about money, so we're not going to go to church. So here's what I've discovered. Here's what I've discovered. People who have a desire to put God first in their life, people who love God with all their heart, mind, soul, and strength, they have no problem talking about money. Those people who give, and recognize God as the provider, they have no problem talking about money. But you know who has a problem talking about money? The people who don't love God with all their heart, mind, soul, and strength. Those are the people who have a hard time. Which one are you? Which one are you? Jesus wants to be the center of your heart. A.W. Tozer said this, the man who has God for his treasure has all things in one. Isn't that beautiful? All things in one. If God is your treasure, what's the treasure of your heart? What is the treasure of your heart? Is it that, uh, is it that guy? Is it that girl? Let me say something to our singles who are in the house or are watching. When you're looking at finding a guy or finding a girl, find someone who loves God more than you. Find someone who loves Jesus more than you. And go with him or her. That's who you need to go with. What's the treasure of your heart? 
Is it that cool hot rod in your garage? Is it that game that you play over and over? Is it your phone? Is it those something you, else you buy? I don't know. What is it? Whatever it is. What's the treasure of your heart? All right. Let's look at verses 9 and 10. Here's verse 9. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. First word says, honor. Say honor with me. Honor. Um, when I looked at that word, I, 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 I felt like I need to do a little study on what this word honor means. And it, it means something that you may not think it means. Here's what it literally means. To be heavy. Doesn't make sense, does it? To be heavy. It, it, this verb means to weigh heavily, to be heavy, to be weighty or burdensome. And during this, this time, there was a saying, a weighty person in society is one who is honored or worthy of respect. A weighty person in society is one who is worth honor or respect. And we've, maybe you've heard this saying right here, that person is worth their weight in gold. And the scripture says, honor the Lord. So this word right here literally means honoring God means his faithfulness weighs heavy in your life. His love weighs heavy in your life. His mercy, his favor, his blessings, his character weighs heavy in your life. Like God weighs that much in your life. Let me say it like this. Your giving reflects the weight of God's presence in your life. For those of you who know what I'm talking about, you know when I say something like, you know what, how can I not give? He's everything in my life. So your giving, that word honor, literally means your giving reflects the weight of God's presence in your life. How much does he mean to you? And it's reflected in your giving. It's your praise. It's a declaration. It's a confession that nothing in your life can weigh as much in your life as your God. Nothing. Nothing compares. There's no way. Nothing. I think about the story of this woman who anointed Jesus, and you find her in the Gospels, and, and the Gospels talks about her showing up, and, and she's a, a woman, uh, other versions say she was an immoral woman, and she shows up with this expensive perfume, and it was enough, valuable enough for a whole years of wages, what scripture says, and she falls down to the back of to the feet of Jesus, and, and she's pouring this perfume, and, and she's weeping over Jesus, and, and you see this heart of gratitude, and it's clearly a year's worth of wages for this unknown woman, and then there's Judas Iscariot who's there, and he, you know what he says? Well, why is she doing that? That money could be used to give to the poor, but you know what? She's having church by herself. You ever, have you ever been to church, had church by yourself? She has a heart of gratitude, she has a heart of, there's, you know, I, I, I am so grateful for the grace of God. I am so grateful for the mercy of God. I am so grateful for the faithfulness of God. I am so grateful for the unfailing love of God. There, how can I not give? And she gives it all. And then you have this other guy who's not at the same spiritual place as her, and he's looking at her and saying, wow, that's a lot of money. You just don't get it. See, that's the difference. 
For those of you who are givers, you know what I'm talking about. For those of you who even have given a tithe, 10% of your income, God bless you, and you've done it for a long time, and you know God has been faithful. You've seen the faithfulness of God, and he's first in your life. You know what I'm talking about. For those of you who experience the grace and mercy of God, and you're grateful for the grace of God, and you recognize the breath in your lungs has come from God, you know what I'm talking about. For those of you who experience the forgiveness of your sins, and you're still grateful that he's forgiven you for all of your sins, you know what I'm talking about. Anybody with me? You know what I'm talking about? Put your hands together if you know what I'm talking about. People who honor God know they owe God everything. They owe God everything. Your giving is your praise. A lot of commentators note that the word honor has this connection with sacrifice. Has a connection with sacrifice. And let me say it like this. If it doesn't cost you something, it's not a sacrifice. If it doesn't cost you something. God is always pleased with sacrifices. In the Bible, when you look at the Old Testament, and you see a sacrificial system where they brought a lamb, a goat, a bull, or whatever it was to get right, to experience the forgiveness of their sins. In the New Testament, you know who's the sacrifice? You. Me. Yeah, Jesus was certainly our sacrifice at that cross. But in Romans chapter 12, it says we're called to be living sacrifices. To be living sacrifices. And our praise is a sacrifice to God. Scripture says in, in, in Psalm 51 that, that the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. Oh God, you will not despise. So let me ask you a question. This is, might be a little bit of a controversial question, but I want to ask you this. Can you be a Christian and not honor God? Can you be a Christian, considered a Christian, and not love people? Can you be considered a Christian and not forgive your enemies? Can you be considered a Christian and not serve? Can you be considered a Christian and not give? There's a lot of people who consider themselves Christians but they don't tithe. And I think maybe they say, you know what? Um, God knows my heart. God knows my heart. I'm in a tough spot. He knows my heart. I have, I have history. So I used to give a lot. And now I'm in a season that it's hard. God understands. God understands. I, I looked through scripture and I had a hard time finding any place in scripture where God said, you don't have to be obedient. If you find it, point it out to me. Go do some research. Look through the Bible and see where it says, God says, you don't have to be obedient to me. Find it. You need to find it. If that's what you believe, you need to find it. Because you're making spiritual decisions based on that, on that truth that you have self-imposed in your life. Look for it. Find it. Find where it says. 247 million people in the U.S., approximately, 247 million people consider themselves a Christian in the United States. 1.5 million, approximately, 1.5 million tithe. And what's that about? What's that about? I also uh, did a little research about why people don't give in churches, and I came across eight that are probably pretty popular. One is, there's no spiritual burden to give at the church. It's just not there. 
I go to church and I, 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 I want to feel good. I, I just, I need some encouragement, but there's no burden at all. I can be a good person and I don't have to. I can be considered a Christian and I don't have to. I can, whatever, that's that, that reason. Number two, it's a difficult financial season. I can tell you, Grace and I might be a surprise. We have had difficult financial seasons. <laughs> I think a lot of you have too, right? We all, at one point, we've had like tough times where you have to maybe float money. You may have to borrow money from someone else. You may have to, you know, sacrifice this to make ends meet. You may have to ride your bike because you can't afford a car, whatever. All of us have been through difficult financial seasons. I've been tithing since I was 18 years old when I came to know Jesus. And let me just tell you, he's a good God. He's always been faithful, even during the hard times. We've always honored him all the time. We've always honored him. When, when I was unemployed, when she was unemployed, we have always honored God first. And he's a good God. When Grace got a new job, one of the first things we said, all right, how much can we give now? Praise the Lord, we're going to give our tithe. That's always a giving. We, we give our tithe plus whatever else God puts on our heart. We want to give more than that. He has always been good. Hasn't God been good in your life? <laughs> Another reason is this. Other people will give. That's a thought. That's one of the reasons why people don't, don't give. Other people will do it. So you don't give. Or you might think, I have too much debt. I have too much debt. Here's the truth about debt. I am, I am all about, you know, trying to live debt-free. That's, I, I believe, you know, there was a point in my life where we had credit cards. I remember I, I bought this ring for Grace when we were dating. And the ring was like 120 bucks. It was at a jewelry store. And it was like this promise ring kind of thing I got for Grace. And I didn't pay that thing off, I think, for 10 years. That ring must have cost me $1,000 by the time it was all done. And I was like, I'm never going to go through that again. That ring's like 120 bucks. I know I paid 500 bucks for that. You want to be as debt-free as possible. You want to make that your goal. But here's what we do a lot of times. Can we just be honest here, guys? What we do is we spend more than we make. We make purchases and all of a sudden, because I have this new whatever it is, it puts us in a financial position where I'm now not able to give. I don't have as much disposable income anymore because I got myself into this situation. And now because I'm in this situation, you know what my next prayer is? God, would you save me from this situation? Would you give me more money, God? God wants you to be responsible with what you have in your hand. And by God's grace, hasn't he done this to you? By God's grace, he delivers you, he saves you, might even give you more money or a better job. And we're like, thank you, God. Now I can pay this, 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 you know, this thing that I bought that I should have never bought this motorcycle, this camper, this whatever. I should have never bought this, but I got it. And now, God, thank you for helping. And you know what we do? few months, maybe a few years go by, and we're back in the same situation. Or because we're going through a tough spot, what's the first thing we decide to do? I'm going to stop giving at the church. So we do. So we make these decisions in our life, and then we say, God, deliver me. God, give me more money. When the truth is, God wants us to learn to live within our own means. He's such a big God. 
What I've discovered is God will give you that life that you could never afford on your own. We've always honored God with at least 10%. And I'm just telling you, when you look at my life and you think, Reuben, how can you afford to do all those things that you do? I want you to know right now, I got a rich father. There's the truth. I got a rich father who owns everything. And he stirs hearts. And God stirs hearts and he moves in my life in ways that I never would expect. I never would expect. You're not going to believe this. I wasn't going to, this is not even in my notes. Not even in my notes. I needed a new phone. I needed a new phone. My old phone, I wasn't receiving all the texts. So I actually talked to Pastor Jeremy about it. He goes, yeah, you need a new phone. Well, I couldn't afford it. Phones are expensive. You know that? They're expensive, and I couldn't afford it. And I was visiting someone, and they were irate with me. They were angry because I did not respond to their texts. Have I shared this story? I don't know if I have. They were, they were upset because I didn't respond to their texts. And I, I showed them my phone, my old, broken, dirty old phone. I said, look at this. Your text is not on here. And he didn't believe me. Said some words to me, and I was broken. I literally went to the car, and I wept. I just was, you know, pastors have, you know, we see the best and the worst, right? I wish I could say Christians are different. They're not always different. The next day, I was tempted. I was, I was visiting people and, and praying with them and reading scripture at their house. And that's, that's, that's what happened with that, that situation. And I wasn't real motivated to go to another house, to be honest with you. But the next day, I rolled around and I wanted to visit someone else in the church. So I went and knocked on a door and I was like, okay, I don't know how this is going to go. And the person who opens the door was a complete stranger. Never met her in my life. And I said, well, I thought so-and-so lived here. And then this woman said, yeah, um, I'm a new uh, renter here. And that person moved away. And I was like, I mean, this is a stranger. So I'm talking to her. And I said, okay. So then she's just real talkative. And, and she, uh, <laughs> we were talking. And then she finds out about like Food for Hope. And I'm telling her about the church and all this stuff. And, and she says, well, can I give you some baby items? So she gives us like diapers and some other stuff. I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm sure we'll find someone who needs it. Thank you so much. I put it in the car. And she says, one more thing. And she gets out her checkbook and she starts writing out a check. She says, I feel, she's a Christian. She says, I feel like God wants me to give this to you. And I said, Oh, well, well, thank you so much. I appreciate it. You can just make it out to Thorn Creek Church, T-H-O-R-N-C-R-E-E. She says, no, 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 no. I said, oh, okay, I'm sorry. Food for Hope, F-O-O-D, F-O-D. She says, no, 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 no. God is telling me to give this to you. And I said, um, thank you, but I don't know. This is... You need to give it to the church, or you can give it to Food for Hope, whatever you need to do. But don't, you don't give it. She says, you're not listening to me. God is telling me to give this to you. <clears throat> and I'm like, all right. I don't know this woman. Stranger. I knocked on her door. She writes a check out for $1,000 and gives it to me. And she says, uh, she says, yeah, you praise Jesus. Praise. She says, God wants you to know you are anointed and you're highly favored by God and you are his servant and he's pleased with you. Whew. 
Somebody tell me God can't move a mountain. <laughs> Somebody tell me God doesn't own the cattle on a thousand hills. Somebody tell me God can't move in any heart. He's your provider. The sermon just got extended 30 minutes, guys, so I'm sorry. We're going to be here for an extra 30 minutes. Your giving to God tells you, tells God, I trust you. That's what it says. Remember Proverbs 3, 5? I trust you. Warren Wiersbe said, if we don't faithfully give to the Lord, we don't really trust the Lord. Wow. You feel that? Then it said, honor the Lord with your best part. There's the title of today's message. Go to the next, next slide, Proverbs 3, verse 9. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the best part. Say the best part. You know where that comes from? comes from Leviticus, comes from the Old Testament. It was God's instruction to the Israelites. When they go in, they're to honor God with a tenth, with whatever the harvest is, and they're to give it to God. It was called the first grain or the first fruits. When they went into Canaan, God said, okay, anything that happens, the first part belongs to me, not the last, the first. You know why God was telling them that? Because first of all, when you honor God with your finances, when you tithe, it teaches you to fear the Lord. It teaches you to honor him. But it was confessional for them. When they gave that first fruit or first, 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 uh, first grain to God, you know what they were saying? God, we know you will send the rain. We know we will have more grain in the future. It took faith. It takes faith to honor God first, doesn't it? It's not faith to work through everything and see what you have left and then say, okay, I'll have this much left. I'll give this. No, 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 no. Again, look at the Bible. Show me in the Bible where God says it's okay to put him last. Somewhere. Look at it. Do some research. Study it. Where does God say he's okay with you putting him last. Where is that at? I want you to tell me the book and the chapter and the verse. You got to tell it to me because I can't find it anywhere. But when they did that, they're saying, God, we are thankful to you. You are the one that brought us to this land. You are the giver and we're going to honor you with this. And it was also this, this right here, this declaration that said this, God, you're the one that delivered us from Egypt. You're the one that rescued us from slavery. You're the one, God, who deserves all of our worship and all of our praise. And when you give to God, that's the message you send. Let me say it like this. It's not about giving to God at the end. It's about giving to God first. When you give to God, you're sending him a message that he is first in your life. You're sending a message to him that says, you know what, God, I'm grateful you're the one who's given me this life. You are the one that deserves all the praise and honor. You are the one that has my future. You are the one that has my retirement. You are the one that's taking care of me. You're bigger than my boss. You're bigger than any sugar daddy in my life. You're bigger than anything. God. You are the one that deserves all of my worship and all of my praise. You are the one. I'm so glad you're still clapping. What's tithing? 
Leviticus chapter 27 says this, one-tenth of the produce of the land, whether grain from the fields or fruits from the trees, belongs to the Lord and must be set apart to him as holy. Tithing refers to the practice of giving a tenth or 10% of one's income or resources to support their local church. That's what it is. 10%. Most Christians would understand this is a biblical principle. And you see it in the Old Testament, but you also see it in the New Testament. You see Jesus talked to the Pharisees. The only thing Jesus complimented the Pharisees on. He said, you should continue to tithe, but don't neglect these other things that are more important. That's what he said. So you see it. In fact, in the early church, they did not give 10%. They gave way more. They were like, here, I just sold this land. Here's the money for the land. Use it however. I mean, it was like way more than 10%. And it makes sense, though, doesn't it? Because Old Testament was about law, and the New Testament is really, I mean, you see the grace of God and the blood of Jesus, and shouldn't we be even more grateful? Even more grateful. Gentiles, shouldn't you be even more grateful that you've been grafted in the vine? Shouldn't we be even more grateful and thankful because of the blood of Jesus Christ, because the Old Testament didn't have that blood? Shouldn't we be even, so it should reflect in our giving, of course should reflect in our giving. Verse 10 says this, then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. Wow. Let me ask you this. Do you believe God is a good God? Do you believe God owns it all? Do you believe God is able to pull strings Do you believe God is able to open doors? I mean, do you really believe that? Do you believe God is able to move hearts in surprising ways? Maybe even the door of a stranger. You know what I did with that $1,000? I bought a whole new stereo system I've been wanting for a long time. So it was really cool. It was a boom box like back in the 80s, you know. (laughs) I bought a phone. I bought a phone. It's the one I have now, so if you want to look at it and take a picture with my phone, you can do it. It's the phone I have now. I wanted to go back to that guy and say, hey, check check what I got. Thank you for treating me so unkindly. (laughs) But I didn't do that. That's the flesh in me. I wanted to do that, though. Psalm 24 says, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The world and all its people belong to him. Hear this. God is the master and distributor of unlimited resources. Anyone have any farmers in your life? Dad, grandpa, great-grandpa? Anyone enjoy gardening? You know, the farmer can plow, sow, water, and weed, but he can't make the seed grow. The gardener, you can dress and prune the vines, but you can't put grapes on the vine. You can't make the grapes juicy. You can't do that. Only God can. There's this formula that you see throughout Scripture. Here's the formula. Give to God first, and he will give back to you. But it's only faith when you put him first. 
It's only faith when you take that step. And some of you, you might need to make some changes because you might be worshiping the wrong things or the wrong person. And, and Malachi, Malachi, talks about that. I mean, God says to Israel, some of you have been robbing me. I've been blessing you, and you haven't been giving back. And some of you need to repent. You need to say, God, forgive me. I'm not going to do that again. It's the law of resupply. You give, God provides. You give, God resupplies. You give, God resupplies. He's a good God. Philippians 4 says this, my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. So I grew up in the Methodist church, and um, I grew up watching my dad put a $20 check into the offering plate. It was one of those gold plates that had green felt on the inside, and um, he'd fold the check, put it in there. That's what I thought giving was. And so fast forward a lot of years, and um, in 2009, Mike and I started coming to Thorn Creek, and that's what we did. We'd give a 20 or $50 check, and we used to have those little, I think they were green velvet bags, if you guys remember those, before COVID. And so that's what I thought it was. And then one day, Ruben did a message on tithing, and it was the first time I had ever heard that tithing was 10% of your income. And I was shocked, and I was scared, <laughs> And um, I, I thought Reuben might be a little crazy. Mike and I started talking about it. And um, it took a minute. It took us time to build up. We started increasing what we were you know, giving to the church. And then as we became more involved and our faith grew and we learned more about it, we realized it was something we needed to do, but it was really scary. We had kids. Um, kids that were going to go to college, and we had retirement, and we had bills and debt, right? And so trying to figure out, like, how do you make that work was not easy, and it was definitely scary. I remember um, we, we got to a level where we were giving more to the church than we were putting into our retirement, and how scary that felt, especially for me. I'm in finance. That's, that was super scary. It's amazing, like, how God's blessed us, and it hasn't been perfect. Um, just like everybody else, we've had our valleys, losing jobs, kids going out of state to college, weddings to pay for, um, but we haven't stopped tithing. Um, don't hear me say it never crosses your mind when you're looking at your budget, but we have not stopped tithing. and. Um, it's really easy for me to look back over those valleys um, and over these years and see how God has brought us through. Our church is like, you know, NPR or St. Jude's. Like, we are funded through the giving of our congregation. And um, I love our church and I want to be part of that. I'm not gonna say it's not a big step of faith and that you don't continue to be challenged because you do. For us, all I can tell you is for us, it has been a blessing. And I am so glad that we took the step. I just wanna encourage everybody to prayerfully think about where you are. Where are you on that journey? And think about taking that next step. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord. 
aren't you glad you came to church? Aren't you glad you came to church? In the typical church, only 5% of the church actually gives a tithe. Think about that. Only 5%. That's the average. I want to give you an opportunity to make a spiritual decision. I want to give you an opportunity to uh, start giving. And maybe you're just ready to jump in and say, I'm going to honor God with the full 10% of my income. And every time I get a paycheck, every time I get a bonus, every time I get a commission check, anytime I get a, you know, income return, you know, uh, whatever check back from the IRS, I'm going to honor God with 10% of it. Any income. That's what Grace and I have done. And I'll just tell you, God is faithful. And I can tell you, I have a rich father. I have a rich father. But it takes faith. Let me say this first. Before you give, give yourself to God first. Give yourself to God first. Give yourself to Jesus Christ. Give yourself to God's will. And say, God, I want you to be first in my life. After you make that decision, then the money is just part of your worship to God. You got it? The money. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to pray for you. But there's some QR codes in the chair in front of you. And you see that. It's pretty close to you. We wanted it to be convenient for you. And we wanted you to have some privacy. This is your action step. I want to encourage you to pull out your phone. I know you know where your phone is at. Pull out your phone and scan that QR code. It's going to take you to a giving form and you could make a decision on a one-time gift offering or you can become a every month or every, you know, bi-monthly, whatever it is, you can set up your giving. And I would just want to encourage you to start, to start. If, if God is ministering to you in this church, then you're a part of it and we need you and we need you. It's just about obedience to God. So I'm going to pray for you right now. And then we're going to give you some time to scan that QR code and turn to the Lord completely. God, thank you. Thank you for your word and thank you for your presence. And first of all, God, we turn to you. So maybe you need to say this prayer. Jesus, I turn to you and I ask you to be my Lord and Savior. Come into my heart and get behind that steering wheel of my life. Forgive me for my sins. I want to become a Christian right now. Others of you might need to say this. God, I need to turn to you. I, I know I'm a Christian, but I haven't been putting you first. And I'm in a financial situation now that I don't know how to get out of. But I know this is my next step and I need to trust you. Forgive me for letting other things get in the way. And right now, God, I'm going to choose to scan this QR code. And I'm going to exercise some faith right here. And I ask you to help me with this, God. Lord, I pray that every person who does this they don't do it as a one-time offering, but it's something that happens every time they get any check or any income. I pray that it happens every pay period, 
every month. And I pray every person learns the joy of having you as our rich heavenly father who provides. I pray all of this in the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen.